Hello and welcome to This Week at Charlestown Road, a branch of the Heavenbound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and this is where we reflect on the weekend that was. We dig a little deeper into a recent sermon to give you something to think about as this week unfolds, but also preview what's to come this next weekend at Charlestown Road. Roger, this past Sunday morning, you took us back to the Gospel of Mark 13, and your entire sermon revolved around just one word. It was the word when, and when is a question we ask. When involves time, you know, when are we going to be there? When is this going to happen? And what we looked at in Mark 13 was a time when the disciples asked Jesus when. Uh, They were leaving the temple, and they were kind of boasting and admiring how beautiful the temple was and all those things. And Jesus tells them that the temple was coming down. He says, not one stone will be left upon another that will not be torn down. That immediately prompts them to ask Jesus, when? When is that going to happen? And as we walk through Mark 13, we notice that Jesus gave some uh, indicators when that would happen, when they could see these things. And then he transitions to talk about his coming, and there are no transies or excuse me there are no indicators of when he's going to come back a second time but through that we we found some lessons and it's kind of a more of a textual type of study but i think it's something that was very needful for a time and the period that we live in right now and it really deals with that great question for all of us that we need to think about and that is when that sermon of course is freely available at charlestownroad.org video or audio i would certainly encourage you if you haven't already to go back and watch that, or it is the sort of thing we're thankful for the efforts of a number of people here where we can revisit that long after it's been preached, even share it with others. It is a the sort of thing that is on the minds of many, many people. And so I jotted down, Roger, just a couple of questions to get us thinking here in the middle of the week. For those of us who heard it, it'll help the seed sink a little deeper into our hearts, but also maybe think a little bit more about the implications of all of this. And the first question that I jotted down was, first of all, even the idea of bringing it up as a dad, there have been times when I have known uh, maybe something was going to happen tomorrow. I, I can think when our girls were little, okay, we're driving down the road and uh, we drive past the doctor's office and somebody might even say something about the doctor. And I might know that one of my daughters has, uh, you know, some sort of an appointment in a couple of days and I just didn't bring it up, right? Sometimes easier not to bring it up until it is right there or just to let things happen. And so why, as these apostles are going out and saying, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings, why do you think Jesus even told them what was going to happen? Well, and I, and I think there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, we're, we're told in the Gospel of John, uh, and it kind of describes our relationship with Jesus, that he has no secrets. 
All things have been revealed to him. He reveals to us. And so uh, this is something he knew about, and he was going to tell them. Uh, th- this is going to be uh, a very radical, very stake-in-the-ground type of moment there. They asked him about this, or basically they, they you know, just kind of admiring this building, and Jesus wanted them to know that this building is not going to be everlasting. This is not going to be the center of our religion. This is not going to be the center of our faith. For generations, they came to Jerusalem. They made sacrifice in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem was where God was centered. But the time was coming when it would not be that way. There was not going to be a headquarters or a central place on earth where they would worship. And one way that God would demonstrate this was by the coming down of the temple and the destruction of Jerusalem. I think also layered in this, and we kind of mentioned some of this in that lesson, was that Jesus was warning his disciples so they would be safe. He would tell them, here are some signs that this is going to take place. And when it takes place, if you're on your roof, don't go down and get things out of your house. Flee, get out of town. If you're out in the field, don't go back and get your coat. Go out of town immediately. And by doing this, he was giving them a little warning where they would be safe. We know from history that when the Romans came and and took over Jerusalem, that hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Jews were killed. The disciples, those who followed Jesus, were not because they understood what this meant and they fled. And so, so partly was to protect his disciples. Partly was answer answer uh, uh, some things that was on their mind as he revealed that statement there. So I think that's kind of what's behind some of that. All right. So one thing to step into the mind of Jesus and and to try and understand why. Why did he tell them what was going to happen? Maybe that leads to another question. Why didn't God stop it from happening? I mean, this was Jerusalem, right? This was the the home of the temple. And so why would God allow the Romans about 40 years after Mark 13 to destroy it? Well, and, and this was not the first time. This was going to be the third time uh, the temple was uh, ransacked and, just, and the city was destroyed. Babylonians did it. The Greeks did it. And now the Romans were going to do it. And this would take place in around the year 70. And by then, by the time we get to the year 70, uh, Jesus has ascended up to heaven. The gospel is being preached everywhere. There are churches established. And this is kind of the transition that we're moving away from the Jewish faith. We're moving into Christianity completely. It was in the temple where the Jews kept all the records of the ancestry. And so when we think about Jesus of the tribe of Judah, we think about Saul was of the family of Benjamin. All those names, that was all lost when the temple was burned. Uh, If you were asked a Jewish person today, what tribe are you from? He wouldn't know. It's been lost. And that was part of this transition that God was moving away from that system to the system of Jesus Christ. And so they would not be worshiping on Sabbath. They'd be worshiping on the first day of the week. They wouldn't gather in in the temple. They wouldn't be bringing animal sacrifices. They would be living sacrifices. And so part of that transition, part of that this this is over and this is the new way, was just to have the temple removed. 
And that was God's way of doing that. You know, we've got an entire book in the New Testament called Hebrews that, of course, revolves around so much of what this building was and what it stood for. But it's remarkable that even as that writer says, these things are passing away. He writes from the standpoint of nothing is lost, nothing that is of eternal consequence or of salvation to anyone on the earth is is threatened in any way. In fact, these things, they served their purpose, but really they were a shadow of the things to come, and he confidently assures Christians of all ages, the substance of what really matters is Jesus Christ. And so, yes, uh, a terrible event in uh, history, AD 70, I mean, we can read a lot about it from a historical point of view. There were seismic events going on that impacted lives all over the world at that point, But when it comes to relationship with God, walking with Jesus, uh, there there, there wasn't anything that was dented or scratched or, or, or lost forever like some of those genealogical records that you were sharing earlier. So, okay, that, that takes me to another question. We know that the gospel writers in their own ways talk about how There are many things, many more things that we could have documented for you. I'm thinking, for instance, of John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, where John says, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. We know the things that were preserved for us in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were recorded for a reason. So why, of all the things Mark could preserve and all of the things he left out, why do you think we have Mark 13? And that's a great question because, you know, there's there's other passages that sometimes we, we wonder, well, why is this in our Bible? Or there's times we say, I wish he would have told me what happened after this. It's just not in our Bibles. And our curiosity in our mind sometimes will take us to these places. I think one reason for this is, is just a valuable lesson, first of all, for the original people. Uh, Mark 13 was written before the destruction of Jerusalem. And so this is going to be a warning for God's people and something that they would know and appreciate and be able to, to, uh, learn about. But, but even for us, it, there, there's lessons for us. God was taking care of his people. He was giving them signs where that, whereby they'd be safe. It reminds us that God's in charge. None of this happened without the plans of God. Uh, Daniel chapter 2 says that God brings up kings and moves kings, and God's in charge. So the reason why Rome came into Jerusalem was not because of the particular Caesar that was in charge or the general that was running the troops. It was because the God of heaven. And ever since that time, there's been wars and conflicts and and all kinds of calamities out there. And it reminds us that God is still in charge. And so the, I think the, the, the layers of lessons in here helps us to realize that we need to walk by faith, realizing that our God has got this. 
and trust him and realize he will get us through things safely if we just follow that shepherd. Yeah, I appreciate you highlighting that idea of walking by faith. Um, I think this is a humbling sort of passage where uh, you even highlighted toward the end of your lesson that there are troublesome times in every generation, and maybe it is easy for us. We know there are people all around us who will look at these signs going on around the world, troublesome times uh, experienced all across the globe, and look for, well, this is a sign of... Maybe Jesus's return or the sign of some great thing that is about to happen. I appreciated how you highlighted for us there at the end of the lesson. Okay, regarding error, don't be fooled. Regarding political turmoil, don't be upset. Regarding natural calamities, don't be shocked. Regarding opposition, don't be surprised. So this is in some ways, a humbling thing for us. Even when we think we know what is going to happen, we really don't, unless the Lord has specifically told us. And yet I I think also of what Jesus said, for instance, in Luke 13. And maybe that's the, the next question that I would throw at you. Where's the balance between Mark 13? Okay, don't be fooled. Don't be upset. Don't be shocked. Don't be surprised. But then on the other end of the spectrum, what Jesus tells his disciples there in the first few verses of Luke 13. You want to read that for us? Sure. So so in Luke 13, it begins in verse 1 by saying, Now on the same occasion there was some present who reported to him about the Galileans who blood Pilate had mixed with their own sacrifices. Jesus said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were greater sinners than the other Galileans because they suffered this fate? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or do you suppose that those 18 on whom the Tower of Siloam fell and killed were worse culprits than the rest who live in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise uh, perish. And so what Jesus is, he brings up two tragedies uh, that was, you know, in those days would be taken right off the news or right off the newspaper. Uh, they had heard about Pilate killing some of those people. They had heard about that tower falling. And, and again, we could ask ourselves, why didn't God stop those things? And why did God allow these? Why did, why wasn't there warnings about that tower? You know, when you start seeing this thing sway, run. He doesn't give me warnings. And, but over here in Mark, he does. And that, that, that balance, I think, and understanding which way it goes is very important for us. Uh, we're not to be blind. Uh, we're to see that all throughout us that there's things that's happening to us. There's going to be natural disasters. There's going to be political turmoil. There's going to be corruption. There's going to be sin in this world. And we have to evaluate things and use the Bible to help us to navigate safely through these things. And I think it's those kind of things that helps us as we think about uh, there are tragedies in our days. Uh, you can hardly turn on the news without hearing about somebody's somewhere being killed, some crime somewhere. Well, we can watch that and just kind of become desensitized and don't think anything about it, or we can heed some things. 
We can do some practical things to help ourselves be safe. We can be prayerful to God. We can be thankful for God. It didn't happen to us. And so occasions like this, I think, help us to keep that spiritual radar on and keep that balance God wants us to have. All right. So a a hurricane isn't a sign that Jesus is coming the next day, but it is an opportunity to be reminded of how fragile life is and to look in the mirror and to ask, am I ready to stand before God? You know, a uh, a, a great terrorist attack may, I mean, just cut us to the core as, uh, you know, citizens of the United States of America. It, it may uh, produce great sadness in our hearts, but we, we, we shouldn't look at that as, okay, well, this is a sign of the end of times, but it is a good opportunity to look in the mirror and say, I don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. Absolutely. And what would I do if I was in that? What would happen to my family? Yeah. What would that happen? Am I ready to cross through that door of death? And all around us are daily reminders and reminding us that we need to be walking with the Lord. Uh, at the end of the lesson, one thing I pointed out is we don't know when our divine appointment with God's going to be. Hebrews 9, 27, it's appointed a man once to die. And I think that's one thing that maybe, maybe in one way we'd like to know, but in a lot of ways we're glad we don't know. Because if God had given us a specific date out there, December 5th, five years from now, well, we'd be so fixated on that date we couldn't get through today. But we are to live every day as if it's our last day. We are to help where we can help. We're to be walking with God. And so whether I've given today or whether I'm given tomorrow or I'm given another 10 years of days, I'm to do the same and be ready for God every day. You know, I, I really appreciated how you took us to the text. You took us through a, a historical example, but you brought us all the way to, okay, there is going to come a time that Jesus does return. We know that from Mark 13 beyond throughout the rest of the Bible, all the way to the last page of the Bible, the promise is that Jesus is going to come. And maybe that is one of the primary reasons that we have these various Old Testament texts. We have passages like Mark 13. There are a variety of days of the Lord that are described in Scripture, but we know the greatest day of all is going to come when every knee bows and every tongue confesses and we are all ushered into judgment. And so maybe, Roger, just that last question rounding this whole thing off. If that's going to happen and God told us back in Mark 13, here are some signs about the destruction of Jerusalem why hasn't he told us when the ultimate end is going to come? And I, and I think it, it kind of ties in with that last thought we just had about death, and that is we are to be on the alert. In Matthew 25, Jesus runs through a series of parables about the 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 coming of Jesus. The first parable is what we call the parable of the ten, uh, the ten virgins, wise and foolish virgins. And as the master was gone, 
he returned. And that story ends, be on the alert, you do not know the day nor the hour. That flows immediately into the parable of the talents. The master was gone, but he returned. So in all of that, there's a sense of our master's gone, but he's coming back. He promises us he's coming back. We need to be diligent. We need to be ready about these things. And so, uh, you know, just being honest, we're procrastinators. <laughs> uh, we don't want to admit it, but we are. And so if Jesus said, I'm not coming for another 25 years, well, we'd wait 24 to get our act together. And if Jesus said, I'm not coming uh, for another thousand years, a lot of us just say, well, it really doesn't matter. I'm just going to live as I want to live. But with this idea that we don't know, it makes us live every day as we should. How many students, you know, told at the beginning of a semester on such and such a date, you got a term paper due. You got some paper you got to do, some assignment. And what do they do? They wait till the night before and they do it. How many of us got other things that we need to do? We just kind of kick that can down the road because we just don't want to do it until we have to do it. Not knowing keeps you ready. Not knowing makes you prepared. And so Jesus doesn't tell us. He doesn't tell us when he's coming, and there are no signs of his coming. Therefore, we have to live every day as if it could be the last day. Roger, I really appreciate you serving us in that way by taking us back to Mark chapter 13. Again, if you haven't had the opportunity to watch or to listen to that sermon, when it is freely available at charlestownroad.org and in our sermon podcast feed. You've talked about being prepared, being sober-minded and watchful. And of course, that's one of the reasons that we gather together in the middle of the week as students of the Bible, as brothers and sisters in Christ. You're going to have an adult auditorium Bible class this evening at 7 o'clock p.m. Yeah, we're continuing the series we're doing called Profiles of Serving. We're looking at Jesus as he served, but then we're looking at different studies in our Bibles about people who served. And our study tonight takes us to Jethro and Moses and Exodus chapter 18, and we're going to talk about helping those who help and some wonderful, wonderful illustrations there about how we can help others who are serving the Lord. In our Building Blocks track of studies, we're kicking off a little three-part series on Wednesday evenings, and we're going to look at these words that get thrown around all over the Bible in Bible discussions, sin and transgression and iniquity. It's easy for us to assume, well, I I know what that means. Tonight, we're just going to slow down a little and explore. What does the word sin mean, and why does that matter? We'd love to see you this evening at 7 o'clock p.m. Lord willing, this Sunday, I've got the opportunity to preach on Sunday morning, and I'm just going to take us another step further in our Through the Pen of Peter, looking at our theme, I am his and he is mine. We'll give voice to what we have as First Peter chapter 3 and see what we can learn there. Roger, what about Sunday evening? Sunday evening, we're going to talk about how we can help those who are hurting. And a lesson's going to be 10 things that make a difference. 
the old BG group, they had a song, How Do You Mend a Broken Heart? And that's what we're going to talk about. How do you fix somebody that has a broken heart? What are some practical things we can do with that? Thanks for joining me today, Roger. And thanks to all of you for listening to This Week at Charlestown Road. We would love to see you tonight. We're already looking forward to Sunday, the best day of the week. And we would love to have you come and grow with us. Mm -hmm.